As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, how's it going, bud? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. And um, if you follow recruiting, which you probably do because you're listening to this podcast, the commitments seem to have slowed down a little bit. When you say Ari, it was sort of like for about a four, well, you're on vacation, but for about four to six weeks, it was like, I don't know. It, this is not mathematically possible, but it seems like 150 top 100 commit players committed in about a two week span. Yeah, I, um, feel like this is like the normal lull like you have like the the, the right. heat the heat of the summer where people are visiting and hot and heavy and exciting and then you have that like sect of prospects who didn't commit in the june and early july months and then you start getting closer into the fall and you know we have some commitments that are coming up here in the next few days um but i think that these guys that haven't committed yet i, I think that if you make it to this point without doing so that means that you're ready to um go into the fall uh, take more visits and then make your decision at a later date. So um, yeah, it's actually exactly. a kind of a welcomed um, break and breather, I, I thought, because it, it's a good way to kind of just like pump the brakes. It's, we're at the midway point right now, and, and you can kind of just see where things at, who's who's in a good position, who, who's still left on people's boards. And I think it's a, like a nice, like natural reset in the middle of the cycle. That's what we're going to kind of do today. We're going to look at some programs that maybe we haven't talked about recently. Uh, USC, it's been quiet of late but landed a huge uh, out-of-state target on Monday. Penn State grabbed a few important commits from very important geographical areas uh, for that program. We'll talk about one recruiting powerhouse that is struggling in its own state, yet is still going to sign a top-five class probably with ease. And then we've got trivia and mailbag. Before we dive into a specific school, we'll start with USC in a minute, Ari. I was looking at the the rankings, as I always do, and you remember when Texas Tech was one or two and Northwestern was in the top five and we talked about them because they deserve to be talked about? Well, right now, without – I hope you don't have it open. What would you say Texas Tech's class rank is right now? 19. 16. Northwestern, 18. So that's kind well, of Northwestern where- was in the top five and they had like yeah. 17 commitments, but I don't think they had a single top 300 player. So like to me, it's like I know everybody's like, well, take a, take a screenshot of the top five of the recruiting rankings. Let's freeze it there. It's like it's kind of a fun game to play, but I never get wound up about that because 
it's just you know circumstance of the timing it, it ne they never had top five classes right uh, it doesn't right. mean they're not having a good cycle for them for their programs uh but you know the whole they're gonna finish in the top 10 it's just like look at the numbers it's simple math and every year you kind of have a gauge of who's going to be uh in what position based on on the ranking so uh and what they have in their class but you know it is it is a really cool thing to see that it does seem to be a little bit more spread out this year and you know at the end of last year i think that we came up with in between 60 and 65 of the top 100 players nationally went to one of the five schools i think that number based on where we're at right now without looking it up is going to be different this year so i'm looking yeah, forward we'll talk to about it next week i've got some research on that but i didn't quite do the math yet so we'll look at it um a couple, couple other recruiting no, uh, notes um Power five schools with the fewest commits right now. Off the top of your head, Texas A&M, no. Arizona State three, not a surprise. Auburn with five, maybe not a surprise. Lowest class ranking from a power five school right now is eighty nine. But doesn't A and M also have five? Maybe you know what I probably didn't get. I probably didn't scroll up that high because their average ranking, average player rating is pretty good. So they probably were high in the rankings. But yeah, we can. You they're can, number 61 in the rankings right now. Okay. What do you have it open? I don't. I just remember okay. from the story yeah. that I wrote earlier today. Okay. We'll check on that in a minute. Um, the lowest average player rating. What do you from think? From a power five? Yeah. Right now 83.4. 84.62, which is Syracuse. 84 is bad. Yeah, uh, well, I, I did I did dive into this. I went back to 2017, the lowest. Dude, these are really valuable numbers. I'm happy yeah. you did that. The lowest average player rating back to 2017 was Kansas in 2017, 82.18. And that was a full class. Yeah, that, yeah, before all the transfers. And That's especially terrible. Yes, I don't know if there was a change in the rating system for between 17 and 18 because up through – Going back to 2018, the lowest class ranking ratings, average ratings were in the 83s. But in 80, in 2017, there were several in the 82s. Like Boston College was one. Your 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 favorite Arizona class where they signed what, like one top 1,000 player? That yeah, was, what was that? In the past five years, that Arizona was 83.53 in 2021. Um, that is the worst from 2019 so in the past four classes that's the worst so it's funny wake well, that arizona that class has to be the only power five class of all time to only sign one top 1000 <laughs> player and that one top 1000 player was out of the top 1000 when he committed and got a ratings bump like the last week of the season so like and i was almost disappointed about that because i yeah. wanted to see if arizona was the only team that would not even get a single player rated in the top 1000 and you have to got you know you have to really consider that when you start getting out of the top 1000 um, you are oh, yeah. in bare bones territory because if you think about it, there's 60 power five schools and each school is taking 25, um, 25 players. So how many total players is that? 750. Well, I know if it's, if it's what's 60 times 25, let's just, we're, we're math gurus on the stars yeah, matter should, podcast. Should, should, should be able to do this. My 16 um, times 25. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've followed this for a while, and teams like Vanderbilt, Duke, Wake Forest, they'll have some guys in the ten, in the thousands, but not many. So if no, if only one of your guys is better than the thousands, than the thousand, 
not a good class. Yeah, but and was, like also too, it's just like as people talk about the rebuild that Arizona is going through right now, because Jed Fish signed a really good class, and they have a ton of top one thousand players now, a ton of top five hundred players now. But that class is going to hurt them long term unless you're able to sweep it up uh, a little bit more efficiently than you were in the past because you uh, were able to uh, address those needs in the transfer portal. So that that'll be very interesting to see, like how Arizona's roster um, kind of comes together in the next two or three years. But last year, I think they signed a top 25 class. So when you talk about like the most improvement, that'd be actually you should write this down. It's a good story. And there's a reason why this podcast is so valuable to us. But um, if we went back and I'm, looked I'm in the notes. rankings, if we went back and took a look, a look at the rankings, what is the single best annual improvement year over year from finishing and recruiting rankings? It's got to be. That has USC. to be it. Well, no, it's got to be. Oh, USC. USC had like a seventy-two at one point, and then yeah, they were number five the next yeah. year or something. <laughs> yeah. And Virginia yeah. Tech had some in the sixties or. But 80s, if we 70s. took if we took like five of those and then wrote um like uh four se- four sentences of a blurb yeah. explaining what occurred, I think people would be interested to see that, especially yeah, in a world where most fans that are are listening to this podcast and aren't a, a fan of the uh, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio States of the world that are like clinging on to hope that their team can be one of those teams that that makes a huge jump in the rankings. Like, what were the circumstances of those? It's like, yeah. was it a coaching change? And I think most of the time it probably was, um, you know, or what happened the year before coaching circumstance or was the class small or why did it? I think that there's a lot of uh, meat on the bone there to kind of try to sift through. Yeah, I've got a spreadsheet, which I should be able to do it without having to like scroll through every 247 page. So that shouldn't be too hard. Uh, the, the interesting one, a couple of really bad classes from an average player rating or have been Wake Forest in the past five years, which is pretty funny because they had a really good team last year. Here was a surprising one. In 2017, Virginia was 83.13. Now, I probably have a higher – I don't know. I just have a higher impression or higher – view of Virginia than maybe I should. I just think it's a cool school. It's because it's be- a beautiful campus and a very good uh, academic institution, oh, which is what oh, makes your, what makes your, I wanted my daughter to go. I wanted Zoe to go to, to Virginia when we visited there, but like, there's no reason that school should be in, in any one year having an average player rating of 83 something. So um, just a couple uh, nuggets. Oh, one more Duke this year with Mike Elko, who you talked to recently has 25 commits. That's the most. So Arizona State has three commits in the 2023 class. Duke has 25. So that was interesting. All right, all right. Let's talk about USC. I thought Tackett Curtis. Now I knew USC was in the mix. Maybe that's because I, I, you know, listen to you and Landis and 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 follow Ohio State recruiting. I, the, the fact that we, when he committed to USC, I was shocked. I mean, how, how surprised were you? Real quick, top 100 linebacker from Louisiana. Most people assume that he was going to leave the state. So it wasn't a shock that, you know, LSU wasn't in the mix there, but a big linebacker commitment. How surprised were you by that? You know, not so surprised, but I mean, I feel like, um, you know, we're in a position right now where, uh, you know, USC is trying to make some moves. And, you know, it seemed like whenever Ohio State has an angle um, on a, a player, it's really, really hard for that, you know, thought process for Ohio State to lose that guy and then to lose him to USC is huge but Wisconsin was very much in the mix there too yes so for for USC who's like looking for um you know a big time defensive marquee player I think that that was a huge under a huge get for for Lincoln Riley and you know it makes you wonder like from a national perspective like USC dipping into Louisiana and getting a player that way um 
you know, is huge for them. Now, do you need offensive line? We've talked about that before, but that's a that's a huge a huge coup for for USC and a, a tough loss for Ohio State, which had a pretty tough week because uh, you know they we'll lost. Into them, yeah, yeah. Okay, you can get into them later, but that was a you know um, USC uh, one by on one is, is, is really yeah. you know boosting the talent. Yeah, and Tony Morales, who covers uh, USC for us, called this maybe the biggest recruiting win for Lincoln Riley. Now he's obviously gotten more high-profile players. You know, um, at the end of the side, you got you know Relic Brown, the four-star running back, the, the five stars Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, and then Zachariah Branch, um, Damani Jackson, and then flipping C.J. Williams from Notre Dame was big, but. Antonio's point was this is those were for the most part kids from schools and places that USC is supposed to get whether they're matter matter day kids or you know Las Vegas or California kids going into Louisiana to get a defensive player made a statement and I think Antonio makes a pretty good point there yeah absolutely you know and and we always talk about this all the time Mitch but like in order to win a national championship, you have to recruit nationally. And I don't care how good your, your natural uh, recruiting footprint is. And obviously USC is going to have to take care of business in the South uh, or Southern California and do everything that they can to, to get those top players. But in order for them to be the team that we think they can be under Lincoln Riley, they have to go win recruiting battles like that. Now, Louisiana and Georgia, which I think we're going to get into are pretty interesting States right now. Um, But, you know, certainly, uh, being secondary uh, in the market like that and, and being able to do those types of things are an integral piece of, of recruiting in, in 2022. I mean, it's like how many teams in college football do you think can recruit only their own state and win a national championship? I don't. I think that maybe Texas and, and Florida teams are the only ones that you could make that case for. Um, and even then, I'm not sure you could do it. So, um, you know, to me, uh, I want to see a certain type of, of player coming into USC at, at different positions, but absolutely think that that was a huge get for them and i think almost a statement because louisiana like you said is such a hard place to go into the class is number 13 with an average player rating of 9231 uh alabama ohio state notre dame georgia clemson are better and they're tied with miami but the as you mentioned already where do they go for our offensive linemen you know they lost uh lucas simmons to florida state who's now a top 100 player last week class has one offensive lineman Offensive tackle Tobias Raymond, who's also the lowest-rated player in their class. And Ari, I mean, I think you know this, but how many blue-chip offensive linemen in the state of California in the 2023 class? Zero. Zero, which is just so. And I think uh, maybe only two or three in the last three years. Yeah, Antonio is also writing a story on that. Yeah, Antonio, yeah, yeah, we've got a chart on that. That that goes back to the same point that I was just making in the previous answer of just like you have to put yourself in a position – to recruit nationally because you can't get it done. And it's like, I think that the most interesting thought about that is why aren't there linemen there? You know, like it's, they have really it's like, a it's like, story, like yeah. what? Yeah. But it's not, I don't even know how you answer that. Is it population? Is it like what people do as kids when they're growing up? Are people more fit <laughs> growing up? And I mean, what, it doesn't make any sense to me how you could have like 10, five-star skill position players a year and then like have zero linemen. It just, it doesn't equate. Is it a seven on seven culture? Like that would be an interesting dynamic to uh, to Antonio's story, but I yeah, don't even know if it's something that you can quantify. There's theories, but I don't think there's there's not one thing that's gonna. Well, give me a theory. Give me a fun theory. I I I, I don't know. I mean, you, what is the average height eight, of a person in California? <laughs> right, it's the same country. It's not like foreign people are shorter than Americans. So you're like, there's I I don't I don't know what it is. Is there a certain area of the country that has shorter people traditionally? 
I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. I don't That'd know. be funny though. Like if the state of Rhode Island was just smaller than everyone else. Yeah. So a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not trying I, to make this a fat thing or an overweight thing. Oh, I know. Like, no, it's there's just there, there's not as many uh, young big humans in California that are yeah. playing football now. Yeah. You know they. I don't. I don't know. We we're we're gonna say something stupid and get ourselves in trouble if we keep trying to hypothesize about why. Um, I'm sure there's there's smarter people than us that have looked into this and done studies. Um, you know, my I, guess is that there's just the culture of California. Yeah. It just promotes playing those other positions more. The right. same reason why I can't explain why there's more athletically big dudes that can run super fast in the South. Yeah. Um, all right. You hit on. There's a lot of other schools that, that that I've got some stuff on, but I want you to hit on Ohio State. Like, kind of a weird time for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They're surging up the rankings. I think they're number one right now. They got a big commitment the other day, but if you step back, not everything's rosy right now with Ohio State recruiting. Yeah, I mean they're the number one class in the country, so it's not like it's ever <laughs> going to be a situation where they have a terrible class. And like earlier on in the year, like I prophesized that I thought maybe they would take a step back, and it's ironic, but it could end up coming true because. Uh, you know, they could end up in the five or six, seven range, depending on how they, they move on from what happened here, but losing Tackett Curtis, losing Trey Bowles, um, and, and losing, um, who's the, the five-star kid that, oh, Caleb Downs. Downs, sorry, a lot of names to track in a single week, but not losing him, but it seems like Alabama's trending. And when Alabama's trending for somebody, that usually means you lost them. Like Ohio state has a really solid class. I believe they've got 19 commitments and a lot of top end talent, but at the same time, the top of their board with defensive players, whether it be linebacker or defensive back, um, took major hit this past week. And if you look at who they're still, you know, involved with, Mateo Uyunglele, I think is the number one player on their board who I think they have a shot with. But other than that, like they they kind of got wiped out a little bit this week. And I think they've got six or seven more spots left in their class this year. And I don't really know that that we can identify who their top seven targets would be, um, at least in the top one hundred. So. You know, right now they're in a really good position, and you know you got to feel good about Ohio State's chances to sign the top five class at this point. But if you have any um, hope for uh, that program winning the recruiting crown, like it really took a hit this week, and it's a very interesting crossroads uh, for how they reformulate their board and if they can get back into any recruitments that they're not in right now currently. And like you got to remember too, we're just July twentieth. It's my birthday, yeah. by the way. Yes, you I didn't for, mention I, that. You didn't even say happy birthday to me. So I Landis did earlier. Happy birthday to me. I did earlier on on the text. show. Happy birthday. Are I'm you having? You. Did, you, did you go to lunch yet? I did. Yeah. Where'd you? We just went to some uh, local place here in Dallas called Origin. It's pretty did good. She let you, did she let you get what you want? No, I, I'm actually. It's not about her letting me. I'm actually really trying to lose some weight right now. And I know I've been saying this on a perpetual basis for the last five years of my life but i'm, I'm like making good progress right now so i got like a quinoa chicken thing oh. you know so what, so when i see you in two weeks and give you a big hug will i notice will there be less i don't know if hug? you'll notice yet um i've lost about 20 pounds since arizona okay um maybe you'll notice but i am going to be on my best behavior eating wise in nashville with you so and that's, that's good for you because you know you're a healthy eater already as it is so yeah um, okay i'll, I'll guide hope- you yeah, you'll okay. guide me in the right direction and I'll just I'll find something good. But uh, yeah, um, why did I make fun of you for my birthday again? Oh, as we sit here on July 20th, <laughs> it's like really, really hard to to just like count anybody out because recruitments can flip on a dime. You know, like Caleb Downs, I thought was all but signed, sealed and delivered to Ohio State five days ago. And now he's going to Bama like it happened like that. Like if you would have asked the Alabama fan, are you going to get Caleb Downs? You know, three weeks ago, they would have been like, no. So like, you know, you're in a position right now where you. 
uh, kind of just sit back and wait. And Ohio State's a lethal program. They'll go take they'll go take someone's lunch. You know, they don't have a quarterback in this class. I bet you they'll go flip somebody from a uh, from a team that's in the second tier. Um, so you know, you're in a position where you just kind of wait and see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, so you you called yourself sort of an Ohio State uh, recruiting prophet. Would you? How would you compare yourself as a prophet to Warren Jeffs? Who's more effective? <laughs> I don't know. You want to talk about getting fired? What made Warren Jeffs effective? I, I don't know. Like, uh, um, I what was, was wrong. Av- what was Warren Jeffs? Is he a, f- a five star prophet? Like he was good at his goal. He was like a one star human. You're really walking star- a line here. Yeah, but let's move on to <laughs> yeah, I'm just, like I'm like you know for me, to, Bulldogs? for me to clench up. You know that's a problem. So I was okay, just like, yeah, he going was. To move he on. was. I don't know if he was a five star prophet. He was a five star cult leader. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, I, I think George is fascinating. They've obviously they they've had an amazing recruiting run, an amazing run on the field. They got Troy Bowles, four star linebacker from Tampa, number fifty six overall. Two nights ago, got Jamal Jarrett, a four-star defensive lineman from Greensboro at their classes. Number six, they've got seven top 125 players in the class. But I did this research, and then I edited your This Week in Recruiting, which was published yesterday, and you kind of touched on this, and I was kind of glad that we independently came up with this. In the state of Georgia, they have not done well, and they haven't done great in recent years, but who cares because there are – They've recruited so well. Just so listen to this. Number yeah. one players, Caleb Downs, uncommitted, but we think he's going to Georgia. I mean, Alabama. Number two, Vic Burley going to Clemson. Number three, Justice Haynes just committed to Alabama. Number four, Ethan Davis to Tennessee. Number five, Dylan Lonergan to Alabama. Number six player, Bo Hughley, is going to Georgia. The next highest rated Georgia commit from in-state is number 10. Yeah, well, how did they do last year? Do you know off the top okay. of your head? Well, I'm glad you asked. Last year, <laughs> last year, um, Georgia signed two of the top five and four of the top ten in state. In 21, they signed three of the top five and seven of the top ten slash 11. I'm not going to count Jake Garcia as an in-state kid because he moved really late from California. 2020, Ari, you listening? I am. They signed two of the top 24 players in their own state and had the number one class in the country. That is something that we should write about. That is staggering. How because well we always done. talk about we always talk about right. how Georgia is the best job in college football because of its proximity to Atlanta. And it's like they're not recruiting Atlanta. <laughs> well, I mean, they are, but like it's like not an emphasis for them. Like that's a it's like a really interesting thing. And it's like somebody asked me in the mailbag earlier this week, like, who do you think is going to win the recruiting crown? And I almost put Georgia, but I was like, well, it's hard to predict them that way because all the top 10 players in their in their state have gone elsewhere. But then at the same time, it's like, who cares? 
Right. Like we, we can't sit here and criticize them. They had the number one class in that year. They signed two of the top 24. So that's hilarious, dude. Yeah. I don't even know where to go with this. It's just, it, it, it flies in the face of everything we talk about in recruiting, but it works for them. Um, Penn State program you like to talk about. They've had a good week. Tamir have, you, have you noticed that like I have been super complimentary coincidentally about all the teams that people always accuse me of hating lately? You know why? Because they're recruiting better. <laughs> it's like, isn't that crazy how that works? Like all yeah. of a sudden your temperament changes towards a team when the results improve. Yeah. Like who would have thought? <laughs> so uh, Tamir Robinson, four-star edge from uh, Pittsburgh, number 141. And Tony Rojas, four-star linebacker from Fairfax, Virginia, number 104. Um, two very, very, very important locales for them to recruit from yeah in state pittsburgh and then the you know dc area dc area yeah you know every time you get a and i don't know if i'm the only person who views this but whenever a program gets a commitment from somebody it's like the first thing that you just lock on immediately is like what how many stars do they have and what are they rating you know and it's like no matter where you get a five star or a high-end four-star prospect from that's an important signee obviously right or an important an important commitment but when you put yourself in a position of actually analyzing it, you also look at the secondary meanings of these things. Who else was recruiting that kid? Where did that kid come from? Is he an important part of your uh, recruiting footprint? All these things are super important. So not only did they get two top 200 players, but they got them from places that they need to emphasize more. And Pittsburgh has been a very weird place for them. You know, you would think that they would just own Pittsburgh because they're the state school of Pennsylvania. And traditionally that hasn't always been the case. And then in the D.C., you know, East Coast area, Philly, uh, Virginia, Maryland, you know, all those places like that's their New Jersey. Those are their their bread and butters. So, you know, I um, I think it's great. And they signed the number six overall class last year after a terrible 2021 cycle. And now I believe they're in the top five. Uh, number if three. I remember off the number three at the top of my as head. Of, so as of yesterday, and they probably seems like they are in a position right now to sign their second consecutive top 10 class which after you give a uh, coach a $100 million yeah. <laughs> extension is the hope that you want. Now, I know people criticize James Franklin for not being the greatest day manager of a game. You do. But it's just like well, a lot of people do. Right. Um, it's not like I'm the only person that thinks that. Uh, it's not necessarily the uh, you know epitome of being, uh, I don't know, who Vince Lombardi out there. Um, Nick Saban. You know. You got to get the players. So getting the players is the hardest part, and they did that. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see what their program looks like in the next few years, if they can continue this up. So um, 19 commits, 13 of those 19 are four-star or better. Five are in the top 125. Here's what I like, too. The top three players in the class are in the line of scrimmage, which is obviously very important. And Rojas, like, obviously by his rating, he was a very good get. But, you know, Georgia was Miami and Georgia. He, I think he took official visits to both. Uh, they were very high on him. I mean, very, you know, they, they wanted him. Class doesn't have a quarterback right now after mm-hmm. Marcus Stokes, Stokes flipped. Now, Drew Aller is a five-star quarterback as a freshman, so it's not imperative that they sign a quarterback in this class. They're sort but of Stokes the is important to them. Let's, yeah. I mean, it's, an, it's, it's a loss for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's something. Maybe that that'll that'll be something. Maybe hit it right before the season. You can write about is which Power Five quarter programs don't have quarterbacks, and then we'll look at how imperative some of them. You know, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but the Ohio State and Penn State both signed top 50 quarterbacks in the previous class. Ohio State has a five-star in 2024. 
I wonder if there's a one that you know doesn't have one and didn't sign a good one last year. That's that'll be something we can look at. Yeah, I bet you that you know these these programs will try to find one. I don't know what Ohio State's going to do. It wouldn't surprise me if they flipped the quarterback from a class that like a JJ Cole, for instance, comes to yeah. mind as, as a player they are starting to ramp their efforts up at. And Ohio State's been very successful at doing so in the past. But like, kind I mean, it's just a reminder too. Like Mark, it's it's mean. It's yeah. like taking a kid's lunch. Yeah, money. Ryan Day um, don't care. Marcus Stokes is from Florida, man. And yeah. it's just like we always talk about, well, does geography matter in a world where uh, players are are committing and going further away and recruiting nationally is important? It's like it, it, it maybe it matters a little less than it used to. But, you know, holding on to those commitments is hard, man. It's really, really hard. And it's just like if you hold on to or if you get a commitment from Florida, who's a, an elite 11 participant and you end up losing him. That's one thing, but think about how much effort you have to put in to continue to retain those commitments. That's the thing that people don't realize, too. It's like if you have a commitment that is solid and that is all about you and you know is not going to flip, the pressure and the tension that that eases on your staff to to use the time and energy to recruit other players rather than recruiting a commitment like they haven't committed yet. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that not all players are committed till the day that they sign. Of course they are, but like there is a certain luxury to that. And when you recruit nationally and, you know, you're in a Penn State's position where you're not necessarily the kingpins of Florida, you know, that is an extra element to what it takes to recruit nationally that they're going to be exposed to more and more as the Big Ten expands and um, recruiting continues to evolve. Yeah, better now, though, than during the season. Just think if Penn, that staff had wasted time and energy and money flying down to Florida three times in the first six weeks to watch a Marcus Stokes game to show them how much they love him, and then he flips in December. That would be... A lot worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, flipping late is hard because you can't recover from it. Yeah. It, so it, Penn State still has six months to find a quarterback if they feel like that's a need for them. And, you know, that'll be good. It's the 11th hour flips that kind of leave coaches in a bind. But, you know, now with the portal, I feel like there's easier ways to address those problems, too. Yeah. With with the official visit, Boone in June and so many more kids committing, as we've talked about, you there, there's more babysitting involved during the regular season. Mm-hmm. So there's more opportunities to flip because, like, let's say – Kids were committing even in season in October. They already know what kind of season is going on, what kind of season that team is having. Now, there's going to be a lot of kids now that have committed, and then the team they committed to is two and four in early October in the hot seat. So I'd be shocked if there's not more decommitments this fall. I think there's going to be a ton of decommitments because there's always a ton. But, yes, you're right. It's like – on one hand, it's good for the coaches because they can take a, a mild little breather and take some vacation time or whatever, spend more time with their family in July, sit in those recruiting war rooms and really repost on the board what the priorities are, where they stand. It's like a good reset. But also, it promises for more chaos down the line, which is why when I get asked a mailback question, who do you think is going to finish in the top five this year? It's like, that is a really hard question to answer, and I did my best. But, like, I'm going to be wrong. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> like, because... You know, maybe not with Alabama, but like Ohio State, I put at number two. They could finish number five for all I know, you know, if they don't figure it out. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's and that's what makes it fun. So during football season, when the games are being played, the games off the field are also ramped up. And that's what makes October and November the best months of the year. Speaking of Alabama, let's do it. Justice Haynes, four-star running back from Buford, Georgia. We talked about him earlier in the when we were talking Georgia, number 44 overall, number four running back, commits to Alabama, a blow to Ohio State as well. And Alabama evidently still in the hunt for Richard Young, the number two running back. So that would be a par for the course if they got two of the top four running backs there, Reuben Owens, who's 
committed to Louisville is number one. So Alabama right now is uh, average player rating of 94.13. I believe it's number one. Six of the 12 commits are in the top 100. Um, you did not even mention the kicker that they just got. Yeah, I, I was literally just going to say, because I was on the Slack <laughs> channel with Aaron Suttles and, and Matt Brown, Aaron's editor, about the commitment they got from a kicker. And they're like, well, let's just wait till they get another commitment because they're expecting someone else, I think, soon. Um, and we'll, we'll fold that into that story. So, yes, um, I guess it's the, so kick, funny the kicker will probably the lower the average player rating. What was it that you have written down? Uh, 94.13. 94.13, and that's Alabama. still what it is now. Okay. So maybe it's just not updated yet. So, but you wrote about it yesterday um, in this week in recruiting. You know, it's been tip for since I've started following this closely and working with you, Ari, every year Alabama starts off in the 30s or 40s or 20, wherever they are. And they it just, happens so fast, too, doesn't and it? And they just creep at it. Like, creep- they go from like 40 to nine, like in a snap of a finger. And then from that point on, they build and they finish number one or two. Um, so I'm very curious to see where they end up. But, you know, 13 commitments, 94.13 average player rating, which will probably go down because of the kicker. But who cares? Um, and uh, I believe uh, six of their 13 commitments are top 100 players. So. Should I sell my house? I just got a text. Forgive my text, but I wanted to reach out to your address to see if you wanted to sell. You're, you're a real estate guru. Should I sell? I'm a real estate guru? You're my financial guru. No, we get, I, get, I'm, I'm a, I get one of these texts every two or three days. People want to Do you ever so. respond? No, I just delete them. What um, if they want to give you a bunch of money for your house? Well, I don't know if it could be spam. Um, I'm not moving like where we live right now. Um, what if somebody knocked on your door and said, I will give you three times as much of the value i'd pull an ari wasserman and say i'm moving yes why would you pull me because you always take the money your your advice is always take the money in any situations take the money yes yeah so that's not always true no it's not always true i i i i correct myself there all right let's um did you just call me greedy on the show no i did not at all (laughs) (laughs) um here here, some commitments Here's one that was interesting, interested to me, interesting, interested to, me. to you. Yeah, I was interested by I kind of Are forgot you paying about attention today. I'm very I'm engaged. I feel that you're engaged on your birthday. You had a good lunch. Um, yeah. Queen Wall was good for you. Um, <laughs> Anthony Brown, four star wide receiver from Springfield, Ohio. Bill Landis wrote about him a couple years ago. He committed to Minnesota and I thought he was like ranked in the 200s or at the time, I think. And I was like, I know what's going to happen with this guy. He's going to blow up. He's going to decommit from Minnesota and he's going to sign with Ohio State. No doubt about it. Uh, no, it's going the other way around. Yeah, yeah. He, he decommitted from Minnesota and his rating went down. I don't know the story there. I think his high school coach went to Kentucky. There was a Kentucky connection aside from the fact that Kentucky recruits Ohio very well. So Anthony Brown, number 405 from Springfield, Ohio, commits to Kentucky. And the bar is extremely high to be a wide receiver and commit to Ohio State. So that's part yes. of the problem, too. Um, also, like, this is the epitome of what makes Kentucky sneaky good. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- this guy will have 62 catches, 800 yards, and 10 touchdowns as a junior. Yeah. No, no I mean, it's it. just like the fact that he's from Ohio, too. Yeah. It's just like their bread and butter. It's like really on brand with what they do there, and they do it well. And, you know, I don't know how. I mean, Kentucky's plan is the plan that Michigan State used to have, and the plan that I thought that they still had before. You know, Mel Tucker really got it going there. And it was like, 
people at Michigan State were mad for asserting that they, that was their plan still. And it's like, it's still a pretty good plan. Now, I don't know if Kentucky's ever going to win a national title with that plan, but they've rebuilt their program into a tough out in the SEC. And I don't know how many people can say they can do that. So, yep. you know, that's the type of player that should be playing in the Big Ten. That isn't because Kentucky has done such a good job in Ohio, and um, he will probably be very good. He was com- c- committed to Minnesota for a while. Uh, Oklahoma, I think we talked a lot about them last week. Uh, Grace Rayner is working on a story on Oklahoma's recruiting that should be up on our site later this week, maybe even uh, at some point today. Uh, Lewis Carter, four-star linebacker from Tampa, number 176 overall, and Dylan Smothers, four-star running back from Charlotte, number 256. So um, another team you wrote about doing it on the – with a defensive-minded head coach doing it on the offensive side as well, and it seems to be a formula that's got some potential at Oklahoma. Yeah, and like I feel like if Lincoln Riley were still the head coach and this was their class, you'd be like, yeah, cool, he's, he's got yeah. it going. You know, five-star and quarterback. And does Jackson Arnold, he's five-star, right? Yeah, he won the Elite 11. He got yeah. moved up to five-star. Um, you know, really good player. It's like if you have a defensive-minded head coach who has a five-star quarterback committed and you now are getting more defensive talent um, – than you ever were before, then you have a pretty good chance of making some waves at least before you get to the SEC. So I'm, I'm um, on the lookout for what Oklahoma is doing. And, you know, I feel like I've dropped the ball a little bit with, with Brent Venables at Oklahoma is like somebody that I've really fixated on as these first year coaches really battle at it. And I, I feel like I was wrong for that. Like, I think he's definitely somebody who has earned some, uh, respect in the same lines of like the Lincoln Riley hires and stuff. And it's like, it was so easy to get caught up in Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma and what that meant for USC that it almost helped. Like, or was the reason I forgot that Oklahoma still got one of the most coveted head coaching candidates of the last five years. And one of the best defensive coordinators in college football, who's a very good personality, a nice man knows how to recruit. So, you know, think about like Clemson as the best talent evaluating staff of the last decade. It's like, who do you think was a major part of that? Oklahoma's head coach now. And if Oklahoma can keep its cachet as being an offensive juggernaut while also using the um, the expertise of their coach, you know, you might spit out a very good team here in the next few years. Can I uh, uh, give you a compliment? Sure. So you you ha- you're you're an opinionated guy, but we've talked about it. it's not you know I, we don't call you a hot take artist because you you believe everything, but you're not afraid to have strong opinions. But unlike a lot of people, you are very quick to point out when you're wrong. Like a lot, some people just dig their heels in, and you you rarely dig your heels in. Sometimes you do if you you're passionate about something, but you know you talk about Ohio State, talk about Clemson, you 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 say things based on the information you have, and then if it changes a month. You change your tune. I, yeah, like I mean, like, I don't know, like, why people feel like they have to be right about everything when you're predicting stuff. Like, you, if you, you were right, that's very difficult. Yeah, that's like, if you're <laughs> right about everything, then you're not a person. <laughs> like, I do my best to provide analysis to people based on what I'm seeing at the time. But if I turn out to be wrong or the information that I was using to make those opinions change, then what kind of person can't acknowledge that i've never once thought as my in my job it's like the same thing too it's like they ask you to do these picks pools and who do, who are your picks to win the heisman and who are your picks to win the big 10 and all these things and it's like if you're really good at that and you get it right all the time then you're in the wrong freaking business <laughs> like if i if i knew how to predict everything um without being wrong i would be living in vegas and floating in the pool that suge knight used to live in so um you know that 
you know, I, I've never tried to take myself too seriously. I get opinionated. I get angry sometimes. I'm kind of an asshole to people in the comments when they're an asshole to me. Um, but I do feel like I'm just a, you know, a kind person who's trying his best here. You know, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm not trying to pretend like my opinion matters more to the people who listen to the show or read the, the content. I'm just doing my best to provide context words do. And a lot of times it's right, but a lot of times it's wrong. And I'm okay with that. All right. So some kind thanks of words for, for our, on his birthday for, for recognizing that because yeah. I really do try to make an effort of saying, Hey, you know what guys? Wrong on this one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Speaking of being an asshole, I'm going to force you to say nice things about University of Washington. <laughs> Four-star commit. That made me laugh, bud. Four-star. You got cor- some jokes, Mitch. <laughs> I'm a funny guy at times. No. Um, Kalen DeBoer goes into Louisiana. Lake Charles, Louisiana gets four-star cornerback. Curly Reed, number 204 nationally. I think before the ratings adjustment, actually, he was a top 200 player. In all seriousness, this Washington class is large in numbers. They do have, I should have looked this up, I think they got five or six or four or five four stars. It's showing signs of life. It's not going to be a great first full cycle for Kalen DeBoer, but this is a nice little statement. They've done well in Texas, but to go into Louisiana and get a good cornerback, because that's a school that has two cornerbacks drafted this year. It's a school that produces defensive backs. Am I boring you with with Washington? It's just so funny to me because going and getting that commitment out of Louisiana is really hard. You know? And like the paradox between that and like not having a single top 10 player in Washington committed in your, oh wait, they've got one, uh, one who's number eight, but he's the number 617 player overall nationally. Like who is it? Uh, the offensive lineman, the offensive lineman, Landon Hatchett. His, he's a leg. His brother plays on the team. Good. I mean, that, that makes it even less impressive. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I, I told you. Yeah. I'm going to give uh, you an opportunity to take a shot at Washington. Uh, no, I'm not taking a shot, but just like, if you look at their top four players in the state of Washington this year, they're going to go to, you know. Oregon, probably Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Mizzou. It's like, is that the world you want to live in? And it's like, I'm, tr- I'm saying, I'm trying to be nice, but it, it bothers me that Washington has seen um, so many good players go and an opportunity to be a really good team kind of slip through their fingertips. Yeah. Uh, if I were a Washington fan, I would be so, like, I, uh, I can't let go of the past sometimes. That's a flaw on my birthday. Okay. Like, it's like, oh, well, we could have had it there. And, yeah. uh, you know, we didn't. Can't really, a, not an indictment of the new staff, you know. They, no, I know. And they, they fixed looks, it. But the new staff they, turned around and lost the number one player in, in their state this year to Oregon. Well, let's see where, where they are in a couple of years. Um, Same high school that Josh Connerly went to. The kid's going to Oregon. Caleb yeah. Presley, a four-star corner, top 100 player. It's like, yeah. is that how you want to start off? No. But not only losing the guy, but losing him to your rival? <laughs> Couple more commits to talk about Cincinnati. I didn't do a good job of saying nice things about Washington. No, he did not. He <laughs> took a bigger dump on them than um, Malik Elzey, four-star wide receiver from Chicago, going to Cincinnati. You kind see, of, this is kind of uh, a statement of how our opinion of Cincinnati has changed. Like, this what's was, the Bearcats uh, hand signal? Do you know I what it know. is? Yeah, I don't know. I think you're close. It's got to be something with the the. I don't know. Um, it's like. 
Bears. But the fact that they get a top 300 kid from Chicago wide receiver, it's like, okay, that's cool. But like three years ago, it'd be like, oh my God, like this is no, I mean, they're, they're on pace to sign the best group of five class of all time right now. Right. They're number 15 in the rankings. It's another top 300 player. What's that? Two or three in their class. Um, don't have it open, but I wonder if that would be the, is that the best class in the big 12 right now? I guess if you remove Oklahoma, it is. Yeah, let's, I would think so. so um, a couple more. Is Cincinnati going to be the king of the new big 12? Who do you think is going to be the new king of the Big 12? It's a tough question. I know, but like TCU. this is a podcast. We're entertainers. Texas so it's in, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. You think Texas Tech is going to be the best program? In, yeah. in, oh, I'm just thinking out loud here. Baylor? Baylor won it last year? I mean, probably Baylor, right? I mean, Dave Aranda is a very interesting dude. I met him this is a good. This, this is a good question. Okay, let's assume this is very dangerous because it's not going to come to fruition. But if the Big Ten... If the Big 12 stays at the teams we think it's going to stay at, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving and the new four two new teams. And from the date Cincinnati, I guess starting next year of the Is this the last team, year of the Big 12? This is the last season of the Big 12, or do we have two more seasons of the Big 12 as we currently No, know I think it? since the, this, well, I, I, the four teams are joining in 2023, but Oklahoma and Texas, I think, are still going to be there's going to be a yeah a, we don't know how it's going to turn out but right now the, the OU and Texas have this season and next season in the Big okay, 12. So, so my question to you is starting in 23 from 23 through 27 a five-year period which Big 12 team will have the most conference wins it's basically it's your question but I'm wouldn't it be trying. hilarious if it was just Oklahoma no, I'm just kidding <laughs> one year uh, <laughs> it's impossible I'm gonna um, say TCU but I, I'm, I, you could tell by my. Why? Because they're in Dallas. Yeah, I'm not Fort very, Worth. In Fort Worth. I'm not. I have no conviction behind it's that. It's the, it's the same city to me. You live there. You're yeah. not a Dallas snob. Do you have to grow up here to be a Dallas snob? I okay. think it's like Fort Worth is just like a big suburb of Dallas, and Dallas is just a big Fort suburb of Fort. I don't know. It's like the first time I've lived in a place that has two major cities so close together. It's like, like what's Minneapolis, St. Paul? Aren't they the yeah. same city? I mean, I, They're it's called the different things, but you're yeah. Twin Cities, hence the name. Twin, Minnesota yeah, Twin Twins. Cities. But like, if you I live in St. Paul, like, are you a St. Paul snob? I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's. Don't some... say I'm from Minneapolis. I'm from St. Paul. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude. Like, shut up. Like, <laughs> it's the same same place. You know. Answer the uh, question. Uh, I don't know. That's my answer. Uh, you asked me, and then I kind of couldn't come up with an answer. And my. My guess would be Baylor because they have been the team that has sustained success the best. Under three the coaches teams that are there. Yeah. Okay. Stanford, Hunter Clegg, four-star edge rusher from American Fork, Utah, number one eighty-nine. And here's a team that we talked about a lot the last couple of years. We talked a lot about in the first few months of Stars Matter. By the way, Stars Matter coming up on our year anniversary in a couple of months. Um, North Carolina, Rico Walker, four-star edge from Hickory, North Carolina, number 194. So have not talked a lot about North Carolina on this podcast lately. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like kind of just been floating around there a little bit. You know, yeah. two years ago when I was all in on North Carolina, I was like they were signing five-star prospects and really kicking the shit out of everybody. And now it's just kind of like that. Their class is pretty good. You know, it's not great, but, you know, they have 15 commitments right now. And, you know, but no top 100 players doesn't really move the needle for me. So, and I thought that it was a team that was going to be able to sign five to Sorry, seven. Not a year. impressed. Not, you're just, you're not it's impressed. not that I'm not impressed. It's just like it has fallen off from what they had done the previous few years. So, like to me, it's just like I'm wondering if North Carolina is ever going to be good on the field because last year they broke my heart. 
Yeah, I thought they were um, going to be awesome last year. They had Sam Howell. They had a lot of pieces. How much did that. that suck watching them on opening night on Thursday night just get their ass kicked by Virginia Tech? It sucked really <laughs> bad when you live bet North Carolina in the second quarter. <laughs> so convicted in like your thoughts that North Carolina was going to be the team in the ACC, and they just got their ass kicked for like four quarters. Yeah. yeah, for four quarters. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I felt bad for you that night. You did. You had you had a lot invested emotionally. I mean, like if you think and about it, like, I guess into North in, Carolina. in a year or two, like North Carolina, A and M, Texas, and uh, USC all suck. I'm just gonna go live in a tent somewhere out there in the middle of what was it, Washington State, like the Unabomber. <laughs> yeah, it's like away from people. I will just you want to talk about admitting? I'm just gonna shun my family. I'm just gonna leave. Like one of those teams has to be good, right? Did you know that the Unabomber went to Michigan for a while I, and that Jeff? Uh, um, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer went to Ohio State, I believe. For I yeah, yeah, it's a good. Uh, I had a. Did uh, you know that? Uh, so it's a good Michigan Ohio State battle right there. Ted Bundy went to Washington. Yeah, they kept him home. <laughs> so they put a, well, I was gonna say they put a fence around the state, but he escaped from jail twice. So they, they put didn't a do fence it. around the jail, and he still left the state <laughs> <laughs> and went to Florida. Went to yeah. Florida State. <laughs> oh right, God, that's. Oh, I hope I don't get fired for that. All right, let's um couple mailbag questions. Ari, Didn't he get caught in Tallahassee? Yeah. Ari, yeah. why are you an asshole? That's one of the no, that's not one of the questions. Um all right, we Washington have, is so bad at keeping kids home that they <laughs> put a state around the prison and he escaped and still went to a Florida school. I think he, he I think he escaped from a Utah prison as well. Oh, he did? Was that when he yeah. jumped out of the window? I I don't know. We have to look it up. So I'll do you can write Come back Ted. to more uh, Stars Matter, uh, recruiting Warren Jeffs and serial killers. <laughs> yes. All right. Andy J. And we've talked about this in the past, but sometimes I think we fall into the, uh, like, I don't assume that everyone listens to every podcast, although they should. What are two or three cities, regions that are sneaky hotbeds for recruiting? Everyone knows Miami, Houston, Atlanta are the best. What are the, what are the under-the-radar places that pump out some good talent that aren't well-known? I mean... Off the top of my head, we've talked a lot about Arizona, and aren't well known. Uh, I mean, are we going to talk Virginia about Virginia Beach area? The Virginia Beach area, obviously the the, the pipe, the Massachusetts. I pipeline. mean, the team. I think the best area that nobody ever respects is New Jersey. Got to respect Jersey. Um, like the the New Jersey high school football, at least in the private league, there it's yeah. pretty good. Um. I'm looking at a map of America with all the uh, major cities on it. Um, I think Arizona is the one that would surprise most non-college football. Well, they've had a lot of really good quarterbacks. Yeah, but even but their depth of even three stars to have in the twenty. I think they have like twenty and thirty-three star players a year, which is. I mean, North Carolina's got a lot of talent that people don't talk about. Alabama this year. Yeah. Michigan thought it was Massachusetts, but it's not. Um, you, know, you know what's one that – and I'm just not even looking at anything on 247. We just talked about it. For a big city, and I think it's it's pretty big uh, region, doesn't seem like a lot of come from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. No, you don't hear right. that a lot. I think there's a lot of hockey going up there. Yeah. It's actually – Minneapolis is a pretty good basketball town. They're, Minneapolis, St. Paul is the same city. Um, I'm looking at the map here. You know what is a huge city but doesn't have any talent for football? Chicago. That's Chicago's I mean, not a hotbed for college football talent. And I don't know if it's because it's a basketball city. That's Maybe part it's, of the University of Illinois town. Um, but there's nobody there. Um, it's like 
when you like compare it to what you have in Atlanta and Dallas and Houston and you know some of those Texas schools, um, I'm looking at like a, a school map here that you would see on a classroom for third graders. But like I would go North Carolina, New Jersey, and um, you know, I think I those two Beaver, Arizona Virginia would be Beach. good. It's like for me, the Virginia Beach DMV area is like all one area. Well, DMV is more north. Virginia Beach is, you know, it's a different. It's not that close. Yeah. Several hours away, I believe. Got to recruit yeah. the whole country. Yeah. You, it's, it's, it's all around you. Yeah. Um, Iowa? No. Back to back top 100 players? Yeah. Um, Frankie B. This question, didn't like this question. Didn't like the tone. With conference realignment, isn't it coaching malpractice for a high school coach to allow his four star to sign with a team that's not committed to the SEC, the Big Ten, or his no- or his Notre Dame. Like, no, there's nothing wrong with going to Arizona. There's nothing wrong with going to Washington or or Stanford of all places. What was you the know? question? Basically, is it coaching malpractice for a high school coach to allow his four star player oh. to go to a school that's outside the SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame? I mean, I think what's wrong point- with going to University of North Carolina? Uh, I would definitely not go to Wake. Athlete or not, I would okay. be. A, you're a bad parent if you send your kid to Wake Forest. I'm <laughs> kidding, everyone. There. Mitch yeah, is sending his child to Wake Forest. Yeah, um, I missed the pod that week. I think what time. he's trying to say is moving forward in the world of expansion. I know what he's saying. Yeah. I just think it's a little elitist. Like, yeah, there's a lot of good reasons to go play high power five football. But if you're a four, if you're a high end four star prospect, you're not going to want to play in a second level of college football if that's what it amounts to. Well, it's just four star. There's four hundred four stars. The yeah, number like three hundred fifty three pe- kids goes to North Carolina. I think he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, I mean, and the ACC isn't dead yet, so I mean, I guess right. you know. But I, I mean, high school coaches also don't have as much power as people right. think. They that's do another part of the question. It's like they let yeah. the kid decide. They let the kid decide, but also like now in the world of Twitter and Instagram yeah. and all that stuff, you don't even have to go through the high school coach to talk to the guys anymore. Right. When I first started, when I first started um, my career as a reporter and I wrote about recruiting, I would like call every high school coach and be like, hey, is there any chance I can talk to this kid for 20 minutes or five minutes or whatever? And they would set it up. And now it's just like I just text him on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, uh, Twitter. All right. Ready for a little trivia? I'm so ready. And I, I want to get it right today. Okay. From 2020. I already know I'm not going to get it right. <laughs> from 2020. Ari, it's your birthday. I'd like to see a little more confidence from you. Yeah, but it's like from 2020, from 1912, <laughs> when's the last time a person who was indigenous uh, from the <laughs> continent of Africa went to a Power 5 school? It's like, I don't know, Mitch. <laughs> like, Over the last 75 <laughs> years, how many players from Michigan has Michigan State signed? I'm just kidding. From 2020 through 2022, how many times did a program sign 10 or more top 100 prospects in a class? And and obviously Alabama, like if they did it more than once, it counts more than once. Okay. So through three recruiting classes, 20 through 2022, how many times did a single team sign 10 or more top 100 players? Four. Is that your final answer? Uh, is it wrong? It is incorrect. Is it way off? Well, it's off by 100%. Is eight? Yes. Did you look up the classes? Come on. All right. Because like I know what you're dealing with here. 
Eight of course is, I did. Eight is See if you uh, can name them. more than I would have thought, obviously. Um, right. Obviously, Texas four. A&M did it once. Yes. I know Ohio State did it once. Yes, and Alabama two. did it twice. That's why I did four. Alabama did it three times. Oh, three times. And then there's three more you're missing. Who are the three? I don't know who I'm missing. Clemson in 2020. Really? Okay. Georgia in 20 and 2022. Okay. I, I, I can live with that guess. Yeah. You got no choice. Yeah. But like, at least it wasn't like one or zero, <laughs> right? The so, year after they two classes did it, um, three classes did it. You want right? to? We'll go. We got to go in a second. A little inside baseball, like peek behind the curtain. Like Ari and I live this. Our job is recruiting, and we we know a lot about it. Ari knows more about it than me. I might know more stats than him. So Ari writes in his mailbag yesterday, or, or knows, this week in recruiting, about how no team other than Georgia has signed the number one class in the country dating back to Florida in 2010. I edit it. I look up to confirm that Florida did in 2010 and we print that. And then someone in the comment section is like, uh, I think Texas A&M did it last year. Like, we, did we spent, like literally 10 minutes. We spent hours ago. talking about Texas A&M signing the best class ever. And both of us are writing it, got it wrong. And me editing, got it. Wrong. You know, like so the thing too, that happened. I noticed is just like, the uh, comments and some of the stories are like, it's like a 2,700 word story filled with 9,000 facts. And like, yeah, I, I do, I like, fact check and almost he fact everything. checks everything. And like, it's just like, and then the first comment's like, well, actually, it's just like, dude, do you know how much fucking time it takes <laughs> to compile this and how many numbers hey, and no stats and, info right, and name? I know I'm, it's not an excuse, but it's just so deflating sometimes. It's like, oh, God, at least, especially when it's a dumbass mistake like that, right? Where it just like That's, we just gotta laugh at it. I know, but it's just because it's not even a mistake. It's just like a, it's like your like when I'm writing, I feel like my brain shorts sometimes, and like I like yeah. read something. It's like, well, Alabama and Georgia are the only two classes that it's, <laughs> it's like, dude, A and M just signed like three thousand top one hundred players last year. How do you forget that? At least it's the the internet, a website. I can change it in two seconds. I used to work for Athlon, yeah. the magazine. I just hate when the we comments are, are just like, oh, this yeah. is wrong, and that's wrong. I'm going to start posting. Wrong. Good job, Ari. Good good work on this stuff. Yeah, like, how, to- how about like, oh, it took you twenty hours to compile all this information and to assemble it into a thing that I can read in five minutes and get the entire. No, thank you. <laughs> You you got the the number of uh, commits that Penn State had in 2020, 2017 wrong. It's like God. <laughs> how right. do these people know that? I feel like there's people fact checking the story, hoping that I'm there's sure a wrong there thing. Oh yeah, there. no doubt. I'm sure. So, but we'll do better. If your um, hobby is to read a story and to go fact check dumb, weird uh, stats that don't change the point I'm making, then you need to get a hobby. No, we need to get it right, Ari. That's I know the, we do. We do. Okay. I mean, we, we can, get it all right mostly, but like it's like one or two little things in a 3000 word story. I think it's just like, yeah, it's hard. I, I, I get it. I get very upset when mistakes I happen. get upset too. I mean, and maybe that's my frustration on, on myself because I'm the one who makes the mistakes. All right, let's uh, do your thing. We're that was stars matter. Up. We'll get you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.